Welcome to WLNM, the web novel and manga review hosted by Zeke Changuris. Welcome to WLNM, the web light novel and manga review. We are dedicated to bringing our listeners the very special artists and writers that are part of this amazing explosion of creativity, giving us stories to entertain us and inspire us. We'd like to welcome today the creative force behind more than 38 published books, Brandon Varnell. Good afternoon. How are you doing? I'm, I'm good. It's good to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, so, uh, let's just get right into it. Um, you are probably one of the most prolific writers uh, I know. Um, we've been friends on Twitter for quite some time. Uh, but what got you started as a writer? You know what? I would actually say it was my unbridled hatred for how Naruto was a one-trick pony in the anime. <laughs> like, I know, I know that sounds really weird, but like, I don't know if, if you or anyone uh, listening ever watched Naruto, but it always frustrated me how like Naruto has like this one jutsu, Shadow Clones, and that's like all he can do. Like, he spams Shadow Clones, and then he got his best friends slash rival slash uh, yaoi love interest, Sasuke. And he's got, like, this whole plethora of jutsu that he just pulls out of his butt thanks to his Sharingan. And I'm like, well, that's hardly fair. So I complained a lot. And one of my friends was like, you know what, Brandon? If you think you can do a better job, put your money where your mouth is. And so I began, I actually began writing uh, as a fan fiction writer. No, and hey. I basically wrote stories where Naruto became a badass and Sasuke wasn't. And then eventually, like, I just began writing more and more and more uh, until I started publishing my own books back in 2014. And I started writing in 2007. So it's been, it's been a while. Hey, and I, I used to give this advice a lot to people um, because you know how some malign, how maligned oh fan fiction gets but i always tell my students and tell other writers fan fiction is just like writing from a prompt and is there anything wrong with writing from a prompt you're given structure you're given an idea and then you're told to run with it i mean it's yeah there's some really bad fanfic out there but i've read some really interesting stories taking characters to places I've never imagined them going before. Well, in saying, you know, there's really bad fanfic is like saying every piece of published literature is gold. Exactly. Which is, you know, it's not true. Plus, um, uh, I believe Fifty Shades of Grey, which was a best-selling book series and got turned into a movie, was originally Twilight fanfiction. Yeah. And, and think of that. based on the source material there, I mean... <laughs> I'm not going to malign either Twilight or Fifty Shades of Grey at the moment, but yeah, the 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 given the uh, source material, uh, it was quite impressive the way she expanded on that universe. I you know what I have to. I honestly, I celebrate her success. She did. She did an amazing job. Like, yeah. she wrote a fan fiction, turned it into original fiction, and then became like a multimillionaire. Yeah, so that's that's pretty awesome. For some of us, that could be the dream. <laughs> Uh, unbridled overnight success that only took us 10 years. Exactly that. <laughs> um, well, what 
What inspires your original pieces? What what kind of things inspire your original stories? Anime. Like, definitely, 100% anime, manga, Japanese light novels. Like, I am probably what you would consider, like, the traditional filthy weeaboo. Okay. I grew up on, like, Toonami. I watched, you know, all of your old anime that was on, like, uh, Kids WB, like, Pokemon, uh, Digimon, Yu-Gi-Oh!, uh, later on, I got into like Akira, Cowboy Bebop, uh, Trigun. So it's just anime has always been sort of a constant in my life. And a lot of my inspiration comes from that. I will also admit that most of my inspiration comes from like harem anime, like uh, Ranma One and a Half, Tenshi Muyo, Love Hina. I think that was why like my first book, American Kitsune, was sort of like a parody of the harem genre. Because that's just what is what has influenced me so much as a writer is that particular genre within anime. Hey, I I um, am truly a fan of the uh, of the harem stories, even though I know they don't necessarily in, work out that way in real life. Because I've been the only man in an all woman filled office, and it was just barely barely able to survive, and you know. Also, the harem protagonist usually gets the crap kicked out of him on a regular basis. So, you know, it's not all it's cracked up. It's not all it's cracked up to be, but it it's a fun um, a fun fantasy to to look at. It's, I mean, some of the best comedies have come out of that. It's fun to look at from the outside. Doesn't seem so much fun on the inside. Yeah, is how I look at it. That that's a great way of putting it. Yeah, uh, the um. What's kind of like the favorite universe? I mean, you've, you've created several different several different series. What universe is uh, that you've created is, I guess, the closest to your heart? The one that that you're like, yeah, I really hit the hit the ball out of the park with this one. You know what? A part of me wants to say American Kitsune because it's the first series that I ever wrote, but I think it has to be uh, Vidergabort, Legend of the Reincarnated Warrior. Like that one, it's my newest series, and it's also my biggest best-selling series. Um, but more than that, like when I began writing it, like it was just something that took off. Like when I started, like I'm a, I'm what you call a, you know, like I'm what you would call a discovery writer. Okay. So I really don't know exactly what's going to happen within my series until I actually sit down and write it. And with this one, like I began writing it. And I just kept writing and writing and writing until, like, at this point, like, I've only published three volumes, but I'm pretty sure I have, like, 23 or 24 volumes already written for the series. That's an impressive... Yeah, well, that's an an impressive uh, number to begin with. I mean, there are plenty of people with half-finished manuscripts in their drawers, so anyone who can... uh get one book out is impressive and then they create something where you think you can go farther with it is is always amazing the have you given that you you do write uh, as a discovery writer as you do as you are in a way making it up as you go along in some ways do you ever find yourself writing yourself into a corner um i have not so far like i mean i did once where i wrote a Naruto Yu Yu Hakusho crossover fanfiction 
that was just it was so bad I couldn't figure out what to do with it next. <laughs> but that was like that's really the only time I've ever had any issues with writing, and a lot of it is because uh, like as I write, I'll get ideas for things that will happen eventually, and then I'll sort of plot a course by discovering you know what route would my characters take to get to this point. Whereas a lot of uh, a lot of plotters, a lot of people who plan their series and outline it and go, okay, this is going to happen here and this is going to happen here. Like I feel like by doing that, you force your characters to stay in the specific like line. Okay. They can't they can't suddenly go, oh, go over, let's go over this way, swerve off the line, and you know come back eventually when something else happens. But so I feel like by writing, I actually feel like by writing as a discovery writer and not knowing exactly what my characters are going to do at any point in time, I can actually write better than if I were to outline it. I, I can think of, um, let's put it this way, have your characters ever surprised you? Like all the time. Yeah, no, I don't think there's ever been a single point in my writing where I've not been surprised by a character going off and doing something that I feel like I would have never done or would have never written if it wasn't for that specific character. That I mean, that's a that's a cool way to write. That really is. That's a a fascinating way to view these worlds that you're constructing. It's it's like the uh, I guess the exact example of what an omnipresent god is. You know, they can see everything, but they can't necessarily interact with it. Uh, let's see how many you. I often hear see you are tweeting about, you know, finish this draft of this or proofreading that. What is your average, um, how many drafts do you traditionally do of a story? Um, you know what? I usually only go through one rough draft. Okay. I don't, I don't often do rewrites. What I do is after a draft, I'll let it sit for, you know, maybe a month or two months. And I'll come back. I'll look at it with fresh eyes. I might like end up deleting an entire chapter or rewriting another chapter, but I don't think I've never done like a full rewrite of a of a novel. Oh, well, that's that's a great way of um, looking at it because I know for me the process it does take that putting it down and walking away and then coming back to it, and it's something I suggest to some of my students. Um, because you never know. Do you get another set of eyes to look at things for you? Um, I have beta readers who read stuff for me after it's gone through the first round of self-editing. And then they'll tell me, like, hey, I really like this part, but I feel like this part could have been done better. Or, you know, I really liked how your character did this in this chapter, but I think, you know, what he did in this other chapter was out of character for him, so I would recommend changing that. And so then I'll go back and do the re-edits for what they suggested. Like, usually. Sometimes, sometimes you know, I'll get contradictory information from my beta readers, and then it'll just be down to whether or not I think, you know, one of them is right or the other is right or they're both wrong and just do my own thing. But usually, like, I'll take what they suggest under advisements and make changes based on their suggestions, and then I'll re-edit it again before sending it off to my copy editor. Okay, hey, uh, and I, I know you're, you're not a huge fan of large social gatherings. Does that kind of, does that influence 
does that part of your personality influence anything that you write? No, not really. I mean, I do make some of my characters more sociable, but then some of my other characters are really antisocial. So it's not, you know, I don't think it overall influences my writing, but I like characters to be their own people rather than be becoming like reflections of myself. Hey, um, so what kind of authors, uh, what authors uh, have you admired? Oh my gosh, well, so let's think. Um, <laughs> there are there are so many of them. Like just in, you know, American literature, there's Brandon Sanderson, there's Jim Butcher. Um, I will admit I really admire J.K. Rowling, even if I'm not as into Harry Potter now as I used to be. Um, like on the Japanese side, there's... Um, Ken Akamatsu, who did a series called Negima Magister Magi, or Maki, I don't know how you pronounce that. I know what you, I know the one you're talking about. <laughs> I also did love Hina. Like, I, um, I think right now my favorite author, like, I don't know his name, but he does a series called Ari Furetta, From Commonplace to World's Strongest. I'm waiting for the latest novel to come in translation. Oh, you are? Yeah. I have hard copies of every single one, and I'm waiting for the the most recent one to be translated. I'm the same. I'm uh, I have it on. I think I have it on pre-order. But yeah, he is currently my favorite author because that's my favorite series right now. Um, among also among my among the harem genre, which I guess you could say I write in, even if I technically do white novels, is um. There's an author called William D. Arendt who does like phenomenally well within the genre. Like he's, he actually started after I did, but he's easily, you know, the top writer within the harem genre. And he does like so well for himself on Amazon that I am honestly, my mind is often blown. Wow. Well, I'll have to look him up then. Now that we've talked a, a bit about writing and uh, the process, um, so what, What's your what's your favorite anime? I know it's like picking children, but some of us can do that. I mean, what what anime do you keep coming back to again and again? So I do have a few that I come back to again and again, and in no particular order. These are the ones that I can rewatch multiple times: Monster Mitsume, Everyday Life with Monster Girls, uh, Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid, hey. High School DxD. Okay. And even though I kind of have a love-hate relationship with that series. So, but you even like the most recent DxD? Season 4? Yeah. I honestly, I thought Season 4 was the best of the entire series. Really? I know a lot of people really, really complained about the art style, but as someone who came into the anime through the light novels, um, I actually found the art style for Season 4 to be more in line with the light novel art. Okay. In the original animated series, so I had no problems with the change in art style, which was actually brought about by a change in the studio. Like, um, I think there were some issues with the original studio, which was, I believe, TNK. Um, they kind of wrote season three into a corner, and I believe there were some problems with the production, and so they switched over to Studio uh, Passion. I don't know how you pronounce it. It sounds it's it writes itself as sounding French. <laughs> But, um, but so I didn't have a problem with the art style. And I believe that the story for season four was just better than the previous three. Like there was a lot more 
emotion involved with season four, especially when you got um, closer towards the end of the series when we learned that the whole reason Issei, despite his claims that he's going to become the harem king, never accepts the feelings of the women who are in love with him is all because of what happened in the first uh, series with Rhaenyra. Like, I don't, I don't know if you remember, but uh, Rhaenyra killed Issei. Yeah. And that... then he learned basically she was toying with him, she was playing with his heart, and that sort of mentally and emotionally scarred him to the point where he believed that there was no woman out there who would love him. And so, you know, like, anytime Regis Gremory would show him affection, he believed it was just, you know, a president or, like, Rias being her affectionate self towards him rather than her actually having feelings feelings for him. Okay. Yeah, I, I just didn't know where to go with the, the, the most recent, with that one. Um, it just, it didn't, to me, I, I felt like it didn't have some of the the life and death weight that the other version had that the previous uh, incarnations had, but I, and I, I didn't pick up on that backstory. Uh, and I would, I will admit a part of the reason I picked up on the backstory was because I still had read the pre novels previously. Okay. Like, uh, I finished the series and it's a lot more, it's a lot more obvious in the light novels than it is the anime. Okay. Because a lot of like, I don't know, you, you've read light novels a lot of light novels to internalize things a lot. Yes. A lot of inner monologue. So it's harder to showcase that internal uh, that internal discord through an anim through animation than it is to have your character just sort of outright tell you, you know, this is how I feel. Well the quarantine has got me plowing through Shield Hero right now. You know, I I've been going through once one a week, I believe, at this rate. And I've had to slow down my reading so I don't finish the entire series. I will have to say the idea of a Raftalia dressed in a Miko costume is just as appealing to me as it is Nafumi. You know what? I really do want to see your Miko costume. That reminds me. Are you on? I'm on volume, I believe, thirteen right now. Is that the one where they go to her homeland? Yeah. Yeah. That I. I don't know exactly how it's how it's pronounced. Yeah, I, I yeah, just I just started it. I just started that one last night, so I'm I'm anxious to see how that whole thing works out. Um, so you have uh, what two new uh, two new series that are going to come out soon? I have three actually. Three actually. All right. Why don't you give me a little rundown about them? All right, so, well, the first one, uh, the one that's coming out next month, is called Cat Girl Doctor. It's, uh, it was actually inspired by Nekopara. I don't know if you've ever played the light no or the visual novels or seen the anime. But, Did see the anime. Um, the general idea is that uh, college student uh, Chris Redford wants to become a doctor for cat girls, or like a cat girl physician. Um, so he's going to college to accomplish his goal, but one day when he's coming home from uh, kickboxing, he discovers an unconscious cat girl underneath a bridge while it's raining. He takes her home, uh, and then he learns that she was abused by her previous owner. And I call him a previous owner, but you'll learn that he wasn't really um, through the series. And so the story is basically following him and this cat girl, Silva, as you know, he has to adapt having a new roommate with him and eventually you know i do plan on introducing like a harem in the later volumes but for now like the first volume is mostly going to focus on silva and her issues and resolving them 
so that she gets some closure. Okay. A little deep dive there. Thank you. It's a, it's, it's a little darker than I intended. It was originally going to be like a, you know, a super cute and erotic cat girl hentai series, but it ended up being a lot more than that. All right. What else you got? All right. The next one is called Incubus. It's a, and I'm sure you know the magic high school genre. Yes. Anime a while ago, like strike the blood, a certain magical index. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's tons of there's Tokyo Ravens. Uh, the irregular at magic high school, which the irregular magic high school. It's about, but it's about college students, so they're older. Um, it's about a man named Anthony who is a college student attending the University of Magic in Cal and uh, what was originally Sacramento, um, California. But the unique thing is that he is the world's only incubus. Okay. And uh, I don't know if you know what incubus are, like male version of a succubus. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, he's one of those creatures who, uh, if you go with the more modern analogy of succubus and incubus, he's one of those creatures who uh, needs sex to survive. Yes. So one day, um, you know, he ends up being attacked by a woman from a organization called Custodius Deominium, which is like a uh, monster hunters, basically. Okay. They deal with like threats to humanity, and he has been deemed a threat to humanity. So. You know, she attempts to kill him, and that's basically where the story starts. It's another R18 series, too, so okay. if, you're not, if you're not 18 years old, please stay away. <laughs> or at least get your parents' permission <laughs> to read it. But it's got cute pictures on the cover. It does. It has very pictures on the cover, and the pictures on the inside are even cuter. <laughs> um, and the last one is Man-Made God which is a post-World War III cyberpunk series with uh, RPG elements. So the basic idea for this series that I had was that World War III was the first and last nuclear war. Okay. And World War III wiped out half of the human population. And then later on, immediately after the end of World War III, the combination of nuclear radiation and human waste like that we humans have done through you know, not properly recycling our crap basically created another a disease which fatally uh, which was fatal to another half of that half of the population so basically we're down to one-fourth of the population that we originally were which was about 10,000 10 billion people um, at that time that my story takes place so we're about you know maybe three or four billion people are left alive okay and basically after all this happened, the world governments got together and they're like, you know what? We cannot do this again. And we cannot keep doing this to ourselves. So they signed the World War III Armistice, which states that henceforth, any and all disputes, whether big or small, must be settled within the virtual world. Which is how the virtual world and VR gaming became, like, literally the most popular form of entertainment in the entire world. Like, almost everyone does it now. Like, there are people who have literally given up their lives in the real world to make a living in the virtual world. Sounds so like living they, online. Basically, that they basically live online. They only come offline, you know, in order to, like, feed, eat, you know, go to the bathroom, maybe take a shower if they feel like it. But there are some people who literally, they live for gaming now. 
But so in this series, uh, my main character, Adam Lancer, really doesn't care like one squat about the virtual world. It means absolutely nothing to him. His only concern is curing his terminally ill lover who has the disease that literally wiped out half of our population or half of our half of our population. And so he's, but he's, you know, he's running out of time. He's running out of hope. Like she is dying and he has these, there's nothing that he can do. And so along comes a woman named Fate who says, you know what? I have a proposal for you. If you enter the latest VR MMORPG, Age of Gods, I will cure your lover. And in exchange, you will help me win a bet against my father. It's like that's how the story starts is he's basically given this proposal where she will cure his lover and in exchange. He will help her win a bet by entering the latest virtual MMORPG. And then the adventure takes off from there, I imagine. It does. And it's very, uh, it's my first, uh, like I'm sure you've heard of the game wit genre, correct? Yeah. Yes, I have. So this is, this is my first attempt at writing a game wit series. Okay. Well, I mean, good luck with that one. I want to thank you for letting me talk to you today. I've, it's nice to hear your voice after so many years of uh, sharing tweets online. And I can't tell you and the audience how exciting it is to live in this age where creators have access to outlets like Amazon and Webtoon uh, and all sorts of other publishing platforms that really let us get our ideas out to the public. So uh, I hope if you're listening, you take a uh, take time to subscribe to this fledgling channel, WLNM, where we hope to continue to highlight the best that independent creators have to offer. Brandon, thank you, and uh, I'll be seeing you on the internet. Yep, thank you for having me. I will see you on Twitter. Thank you. If you want to find out more about Brandon's writing, check out his website at varnell-brandon.com. You can reach him on Twitter at at Brandon B. Varnell. And if you're interested in downloading one of his books, check out his extensive collection on Amazon.com. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe so we can continue to bring you the best these new creators have to offer. And to you listeners, thank you for your time and keep reading. This has been a WLNM podcast.